Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But I want to encourage you too as we get closer to this because when the church is removed, the church must be removed before the Antichrist, this man of sin. See, nobody likes to talk about the Antichrist, and I don't really either, to be honest with you, but it's in the Bible. There is a man, a one world ruler that is coming upon the stage of this world. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today, Pastor Rob explains the next event in the prophetic calendar, and that is the rapture of the church. In our last teaching, we receive a vision of this through John's explanation in chapter 4 of Revelation. Although this mystery is explained several ways, it is evident that the church must be removed to enable the appearance of the Antichrist. The Apostle Paul writes about this in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 4 through 8, as he refers to the restrainer who is within the church and will be taken out of the way. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he takes us on this journey of the rapture of God's church. I mean, is there really anything that's more exciting than to see him face to face? The one who died for us? I mean, wow. I can't wait for that day. I can't wait for it looking forward to it. Are you looking forward to it? Say amen. (laughs) I can't hear you, but that's okay. I know you're saying it. So notice what it says there here though, because the word rapture is not anywhere in the Bible. And you may be gasping with horror when I say that, but the word rapture does not, is not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. And I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why it is and it isn't. The word itself is not there. But notice with me that line, those two words I had you underline, caught up. Because in the original Greek, those words, that word that, that, that is uh, for the word caught up is harpazo. And this word literally needs, means to seize, to be plucked up by violence very quickly. It's not something that's like, oh, cr- cradle a baby. No, it's a violent snatching up off of the earth. That's literally what this means, to snatch you away and to change you in the twinkling of an eye as we're going to look at. That's what the word means, caught up. Now, here's where we get the word, the rapture. As we know, the Bible was written in Greek. We see this word caught up, literally harpazo. Well, in the 4th century, in 382 to be specific, A.D., there was a gentleman by the name of Jerome who was a... um, a gentleman who actually uh, translated the Greek scripture into Latin 
uh, for the Catholic Church. They use this as part of their, and they still do, many Latin masses and stuff like that. But he wrote, uh, or he didn't write, he translated the Greek into Latin. And when you get to this verse in Latin, I'm actually looking at the Latin right now on my in my notes here. That word caught up is rapi or rapi mir. And basically what that means is the same thing. It means to be caught up. And that's where we get our word rapture. Rapture just means to be caught up and taken away. So in the church, when we use this term and everyone looks at us kind of like we're crazy and then they, they get the bright idea of maybe doing a search and they go, aha, the word rapture is not in the Bible. You can say, you're right, the word rapture is not in the Bible, but the concept of it is all over the Bible. <laughs> and this is a very clear passage, one of the clearest that speak of this act that's going to happen. The rapture of the church. The rapture uh, may not be found um, may not be found in the Bible, but the concept, the action of it, the very act is very clearly shown. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, beginning in verse 50, and we're going to look at something else here. Now you may be wondering to yourself, why should the church be removed if, if what I'm saying is true, if what the Bible is saying is true, that there is going to be a time of Jacob's trouble. There's a lot to this. We could spend uh, two or three services just on this topic alone very easily. However, why is the church exempt from the difficulty that's coming upon the earth? Because the judgment that God is going to be pouring out on the earth is for those who have rejected him. A world that has rejected his only means of salvation. And the Bible says that God is not, he's not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9, that's exactly what it says. And that's one of the things the Thessalonians were confused about because they were going through difficulty. They thought they were going, they'd been told that they were going through the tribulation. And Paul says, oh no, the, the tribulation hasn't even occurred yet because it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. Persecution is different from what's going to happen uh, in the Great Tribulation period. Persecution is what we receive from the hand of man. But during the Great Tribulation, this is going to be uh, trouble that God is going to bring upon the earth. Big difference. The source of the uh, judgment is going to be completely different. But notice with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, beginning in verse 50, what does it say? He says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit corruption. In, in other words, this body that we have is going to die, it's going to corrupt, it's going to decay. This corruption does not inherit incorruption. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, meaning not all of us are going to die, but we shall all be changed. And here Paul describes the method, the way in which we are going to be raptured and what it's going to look like. He says, in a moment, verse 52, in the twinkling of an eye, and the twinkling of an eye is so quick that it's literally nanoseconds. It happens so quickly, it's, it's done, it's over. And that's exactly how the rapture of the church is going to take place. It's going to be in a moment, he says, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. We just read about that in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, verse 17 specifically. He says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. We saw that before in his letter to the Thessalonians. They'll be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed, those of us who are alive and remain. For this corruptible, meaning this body of ours, must 
put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. That's exactly what happened to Jesus when he rose from the grave. That body of flesh that he had, that was physical bone, flesh and bone and blood, was now made a different composite, a different material that he could rise through those wraps and they would just collapse on on the on the slab as he would pass through them and pass through the the, the tomb there in Jerusalem. He says, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, and here is, he's re, uh, quoting from the Psalms, death is swallowed up in victory. And here's the Psalm. It says, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, or hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. (laughs) And isn't that good news? Isn't that wonderful news? And you know what? Again, chapter 4 and chapter 5. The whole vantage point changes now to the church. Uh, we're, we're in glory, and, and, and we see the worship of God before uh, and the scroll being given to Jesus Christ. And as he unravels that scroll, one, one seal at a time, chapter 6 through the uh, 19, verse 10 of Revelation, we're going to see in successive waves judgments that are going to be poured out. This is a horrible time. The Bible says, Jesus said that if he didn't come back at the end of that, no flesh would survive. That's how bad things are going to get. We think that, you know, 9 11 was bad. We think that this, this coronavirus was bad. It really shook our tree, didn't it? Well, but let me tell you, when God starts to pour out judgment upon the earth and the way he's going to do it and the way it's described, there's going to be massive, massive casualties. And every one of these people will have an opportunity, even still, to receive Christ, but it is going to be very, very extremely difficult because of the delusion that's going to come upon the earth at that time. But God, after, um, after the church is removed, He's going to turn His attention to Israel. And Israel, on the earth at that time, is going to be is going to go through these judgments as well, and God's going to preserve a remnant, uh, specifically 144,000 Jews. The Bible tells us, and and then there will come a time after the second coming that all Israel, uh, Paul tells us in Romans 11, that all Israel will be saved, and they will look on Him who they whom they have pierced. They will look on Him for the first time and realize that He did come the first time, that He did die on the cross. Most Jews today don't believe that Jesus came the first time. And so when He comes back the second time in His second coming, their jaws are going to hit the ground and then they are going to, uh, the whole entire state of Israel at that time, Paul tells us that they are going to weep for Him as one who mourns for his only son, and they're going to grieve for him as one who grieves for a firstborn. But I want to encourage you too as we get closer to this because when the church is removed, the church must be removed before the Antichrist, this man of sin. See, nobody likes to talk about the Antichrist, and I don't really either, to be honest with you, but it's in the Bible. There is a man, a one-world ruler that is coming upon the stage of this world and I find it interesting. I just heard from a news source, and I haven't had time to corroborate this, so forgive me. Uh, but I've heard that the G7, 
the, the government's seven, you know, seven different nations recently that they're kicking around the idea of opening up to three other nations uh, or, or for a, a G10. And it's interesting that as we look in prophecy, that's exactly how many nations um, are going to be at the, at the end when, when we start getting further into the book of Re- Revelation. We're going to see these ten nations, if that's indeed what's, what's happening, and does happen, uh, it's all falling into place. And uh, that's a very interesting thing. But the, the church must be removed because if we weren't removed, we, folks, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. He said that to the church. You are the salt of the earth. You are the lampstand. You're the one who, when you come into a room, lights up the room. By you being there, automatically sin is at bay. It doesn't continue further because of your influence, because of the Spirit of God in you. But listen to this. Once we are removed, all hell is going to break loose. It's going to be like a flood of sewage, and it's going to overtake the earth. And the Antichrist and the far, uh, the far left agenda, which they have, that's going to go through like a steamroller. Do you understand? It's going to be overflowing everything, and there's going to be nothing to stop it. There will be nothing to stop it. In fact, turn with me now to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 because this is important for us to understand and why the church has to be removed. If the church is not removed, we're going to be able to identify this man of sin and, and, and the, the judgment that God is going to pour out on him and the earth at that time. Jesus won't allow his church to go through that. Not because she's uh, uh, any better, but she belongs to him. And if you know of a, of a, a husband... Uh, any husband would not drag his bride through the mud to purify her. Either the blood of Jesus Christ was efficacious enough to purify us in his blood, or it wasn't. If it is, then why would we have to be purified to go through the tribulation period? There's no evidence of that in the Bible at all. In fact, there are, if time permits, we'll look at a few places in the Bible where there are biblical types that God has placed in the Bible to show us that he does not allow his bride those his chosen, they, they may go through tribulation, but he doesn't allow them to go through what's coming. He's not going to allow them to go through the tribulation. Do you understand? There's a difference. Tribulation is one thing. We go through tribulation just by stubbing our toe, maybe by getting uh, looked over for a promotion. Uh, there are different things that we can go through and be persecuted. I could have a Jesus shirt on and somebody spits on me when they go by. Um, those kind of things are light persecution, Right. And, and we all go through that. Those are little small tribulations. But Jesus spoke of the great tribulation. This is a period of time, a seven-year period of time, maybe even more specifically a three-and-a-half-year period of time. But I won't go there for now. But notice what it says in Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, Paul is speaking again to this church. He says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you. And so Paul is going to tell them about, they were confused about the rapture of the church. So now he's telling them, uh, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, the rapture in other words, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. When you see the word day of Christ or the day of the Lord in the Bible, it is speaking of a period of time. 
Uh, in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Beloved, Peter says, Do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So the day of Christ, or the day of the Lord, is actually a period of time uh, from the moment of the rapture of the church, extending all the way to the end of the millennial reign, which is a thousand years. Do you get that? It's the day of the Lord. It's at least a thousand years, probably a thousand seven years, because it includes the uh, great tribulation period. But notice what he says here. So he says, Don't be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, verse 3, for that day will not come unless... So we know that part of the day of the Lord or the day of Christ, part of that period of time is going to include the second coming of Jesus Christ. And notice what he says. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. See, you're reading it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. This is what the Bible says. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, the Antichrist, who he's speaking of, he sits as God in the temple, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And so there is coming a time, we know, during this seven-year tribulation period, which we're going to be reading about, and again, in chapters 6 through 19, that uh, somewhere in the middle of that, and we don't have time to go into all of this right now, but right in the middle of that time period, the Antichrist, who's just going to be a powerful, charismatic political leader, and he's going to unite the world leaders. Uh, of those ten that we talked about, perhaps, uh, the Bible says that there are going to be ten. Out of all of them, one is going to rise up. He is going to be the one leader, and the world wants a one world leader right now. I know Emmanuel Macron uh, put himself forward as being maybe that guy who would, who would be the leader of the United Nations. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Not naming names, but... Um, so the Antichrist is going to set an image of himself in the temple on Jerusalem, and he is going to, a rebuilt temple, by the way, and he is going to demand to be worshipped. And so he says, and now you know, verse 6, and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And when the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy the brightness of his coming, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive, notice, the love of the truth. Do you love the truth? I love the truth. These did not receive the love of the truth in the great tribulation period. And God will send, and for this reason, verse 11, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they may all be condemned who do not believe the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. And the reason I bring this up, because the one who restrains, who will restrain until he be taken out of the way, nearly everybody agrees on this. Uh, the, the one who's restraining right now is the church. If the church and people who love God and know the Word of God and love morality, they love the truth, they love righteousness, as soon as they are removed in the rapture of the church, guess what? There's going to be no stopping every evil, wicked plan and intention from steamrolling full full steam ahead. It's going to be like a locomotive that's loaded with uranium and has been lit, and it's going to fly forward like never before. 
And so this is what's coming upon the earth. This is what is coming upon the earth. And there is a difference. Uh, Let's see here. We're probably, um, we're not going to get through uh, nothing but chapter one, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. Let me just share with you just a couple of quick things, and and we might even end there. Um, We'll see. There's a difference. Now, we've looked at some of these scriptures. They're they're pretty amazing. But there is a difference, folks, uh, from the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus. One has to precede the other. I'm doing this because from your vantage point looking at me, this is on the, from the time frame going, you know, from the past going to the future. The rapture has to occur first. And then the, the, the great tribulation period. And then Jesus comes back with us to the earth, to Jerusalem. And right now, we're waiting for that time for the rapture of the church where we'll meet him in the clouds. But then he's going to physically come back after that seven-year period to physically to the earth. Okay. Now, there are two different uh, contrasts of the rapture and the second coming. If we look at the rapture, it, it speaks of the translation or the, 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 the rapture of all believers where our bodies will be changed. In the second coming, there's no translation at all. There's no um, uh, of our bodies being changed. In the rapture, the translated saints go to heaven. In the, in the second coming of Christ, the translated saints, they return to earth. <laughs> in the rapture, the earth is not judged, but in the second coming, the earth is going to be judged and righteousness established. And the rapture speaks of believers only, but the second coming of Christ, it affects all men. The rapture occurs before the day of wrath. And the second coming physically of Jesus to the earth concludes in the day of wrath. In the, in, the, uh, in the rapture of the church, there's no reference to Satan whatsoever. But we know in the second coming that Satan is bound for a thousand years. During that, that uh, millennial reign of Christ, he's bound for a thousand years. And also in the rapture, he comes in the air to meet us. We've already read that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But in the second coming, he comes to the earth. Turn with me if you would. Now again, we're talking about the second coming physically of Jesus to the earth because I want you to understand the difference between the rapture and the second coming. So now in the rapture, uh, we meet him in the air, but in the second coming, he comes physically to the earth. So look with me at Zechariah chapter 14. This is one of the greatest Old Testament uh, passages. Uh, Zechariah chapter 14. Love this verse. Having been to Israel just recently and, and actually being on the Mount of Olives and overlooking the uh, Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, and, 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 and standing on the mountain that this is going to occur is just amazing. Notice what it says in Zechariah chapter 14. Now this is a, uh, an Old Testament prophet prophesying of Jesus' second coming physically to the earth. Notice what he says. Behold, the day of the Lord, or the day of Christ, same thing. The day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. This is what we call Armageddon. Or, you know, when the Antichrist and all of his forces, they come to Jerusalem to, to wipe Jerusalem out and kill the Jews and everybody in it. He says, For I will gather all nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Notice what it says in verse 3. Then the Lord 
will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And this is also recorded for us in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, when Jesus physically comes to the earth. And that's exactly what he's speaking of here. He says, in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Do you understand that? When he comes back physically to the earth, his feet will... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.